This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Recognizing and understanding the impact of our food choices is the first important step in reversing habits that damage the body, heart, and soul. Valeria Tejas interviews Marlene Watson-Terra and Bill Terra, the authors of Go Vegan, a guide to delicious everyday food for the health of your family and the planet, and how to eat right and save the planet, a plant-based survival guide for you and your family. Marlene Terra is a longtime vegan, activist, lover of animals, nature, and life, and passionate about human ecology. As an eternal optimist, increasing the number of people worldwide to switch to whole food, plant-based diet, and vegan life is her mission. Together with her husband, Bill Terra, they have created the Human Ecology Project. Bill Terra has been an active advocate for natural health care. As an actor in theater and producer of rock concerts with groups such as The Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane, he discovered the macrobiotic approach to health and cured his own health problems. Bill and Marlene Watson-Terra are very passionate about inspiring and empowering others to become teachers and to share their work around the globe. They created their hugely successful macrobiotic vegan health coach program and have students come from 27 countries around the world to study with them. They also facilitate and run seminars and health retreats in various parts of Europe and America for private corporations. Their public programs and workshops are vast. Diet and the development of disease, social justice, food slavery, environmental issues, animal rights, and more is taught in their human ecology project. This is the link between us and the planet. When we talk about air, water, sunlight, and the food that we eat, that's the way we relate to and are bonded with the environment that we live in. Bill recently received a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Cushy Institute in Massachusetts for his 55 years of teaching macrobiotics around the world. Meet Marlene and Bill at macrovegan.org. Here is the interview with Marlene Watson-Terra and Bill Terra. In your own words, who is Marlene Watson-Terra and Bill Terra? Well, for me, Valeria, I feel that my work in the world is to be a communicator, share the love of what makes me jump out of bed every morning, which is my love for practically everything that breathes animal, plant, human. So my my work comes from my heart. And for 45 years, I have been teaching this work. And for the life of me, you would never be able to get me stop talking because the passion flows from every sail in my body. So that's Marlene. <laughs> How wonderful. Yeah, thank you for being you. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Bill? Yes, well, uh, ever since I was very young, I grew up in California, in, in Central California, and ever since I was a very young boy, I've had a, uh, a great love of nature and, and all things natural. And uh, I, was, I was lucky enough to have a father who was a nat- who was a uh, outdoorsman, and so that's always been a big part of my life. And then 55 years ago, 
Uh, I discovered uh, the whole field of oriental medicine and macrobiotics, and uh, that took me off on a, on a different tangent and took me into the relationship that we have with the environment through the food that we eat as well as the rest of our lifestyle. So thank you so much for being you again, yeah, for the beautiful work that you have done and the wisdom too. My first official question is about health. How do you define the word health? What is to be a healthy person from your perspective? For me, health has to, is really an environmental issue. It has to do with our relationship to the world that we live in. In, in science, it's called homeostasis. It's creating a balance between uh, the individual organism and, and the rest of the environment around us. And of course, in human health, uh, that includes everything that we do personally, as well as our relationship with other people and our relationship to the environment at large. And so it's really all a question of balance and finding harmony between ourselves and the natural world. And I wonder a lot of times if it is really possible to come to that place of balance and stay there, or are we always moving out of balance and then back to balance? Well, it, balance is a, is a term that we use in English, but I think it's really, as you, as you indicate, not an accurate description of what health is because, because health has to be very dynamic because things keep, around us keep being in motion. Right. The climate changes, the seasons roll over, we have different tasks that are put in front of us that we have to accomplish. And so it's a constant state of adaptation. So it's, it's, a, it's a dynamic balance not a static balance. And to, yeah. add, to add to that, actually, what's so beautiful about what we teach is the principles of yin and yang. And, and you know, Valeria, and from your own work, that everything is changing every second. As we both sit here chatting with you, we are renewing cells, hundreds and thousands and millions of cells. So everything's changing. And when, when life is challenging, as it is for many um, right now as well, with, with what's going on in the world, I always focus on yin and yang because the only permanent and permanence in life is impermanence. So every second something else is changing. And for me, that's where I always place my focus when I'm doing health counseling with clients or whatever I'm doing every day. I think this is only in the moment right now. The next moment I am a different Marlene than I was a moment ago because the only permanence is impermanence. And that, re that really resonates with a, with a major scientific principle, too, and that is, uh, in, in the theory of evolution, Darwin's main thrust was that uh, the great health of any organism, any species, was to be adaptable. Mm, right. and if health is not adaptable, uh, what happens is uh, the whole system falls apart. Speaking of change, 2020 has been one of these times. Talk to me for a moment about the insights that you have gained from the events in 2020. Well, I think one of the things that, that, that many people have noticed is that uh, uh, one is that we don't need a lot of the functions, the social functions that really seem to be necessary. It, it's very interesting that, that one of the responses uh, of the world at large, of the natural world, was that when human activity slowed down, the environment started to repair itself. The, the canals in Venice started to clear up of the muck that, that accumulated there. Wild animals started moving into cities. Uh, it was really quite phenomenal. On the other end, the, it shows how vulnerable we are, um, in, in a sense, in our own humanity. Um, the, the, the amount of anxiety that people feel, uh, particularly, I think, in the affluent countries of the world, uh, when they have to entertain themselves. No, they, they, they seem we seem incapable of being quiet, of being still, of being in our homes. Now, I know that there are a lot of a lot of stresses involved with people losing income and, you know, uh, other social things like that. But I think that there's a lot to be learned in terms of human anxiety and human fear. That's so interesting that we tend to separate. Nature is there and we are here, but everything's connected. Do and you know it's 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 part it's part of our governing philosophy in the West, you know, particularly, and that is that we're a dominant species. Right. That uh, that everything in nature 
uh, is there to serve us. The, everything in nature has a price tag on it. Everything in nature has to be owned by someone. You know, so it's a very, uh, very strange concept, and it, it's led us down the road to a lot of destruction. And I mean, if you look at even in a simple form, Valeria, right now, for example, we're here and we have a very beautiful meadow just at the mm. kitchen, and um, we have deer and pheasants. But the badger, he's so funny. <laughs> this how intelligent animals are so a friend handed in some apples and they were rather green looking but I was very polite and said thank you and I knew I would use them because they would be very sour so every day I slice apples and put apples out for the badger and she comes with her family or the big the big papa badger comes and the badgers here are very beautiful they have big black and white striped faces they're stunning gorgeous animals so in amongst the apples I put one of the green apples that the neighbor handed in and the badgers ate all my red apples and left the green apple and I kept doing the same day after day after day so can you believe these these sour apples the badgers knew by smell that they didn't like them and they just kept ignoring them so you see humans and animals are so connected right I mean animals are for me the 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 love of my life of course with nature but animals are so intelligent and we don't even understand who they are or what they hear they are here for us and not to be used they're they're not here for us they're here with us you know Mm. so so that's what drives me daily, you know, to do what I can to try and get people engaged with the animal kingdom. Oh, I love that. Yeah, what a beautiful phrase to say, insight and wisdom. Yeah, animals are here with us, you know, for us yeah. or for our use, right? What do you think is the purpose of the human life, the human experience? You know, philosophers have pondered on this one since since we emerged out of the jungle. So, uh, you know, to me, it's always seemed that everything has a a quality of consciousness. Every every living thing has a quality of consciousness. And human beings uh, inhabit a particular quality of consciousness. And I think that that consciousness can make us capable of creating a kind of relationship with all life on the planet uh, that's never been created before. Uh, It may have been created in in the very, very most primitive times of our our existence on this planet, but a kind of what's called in ecology a commensal relationship. And that means where every creature eats at the same table. Every every creature complements the activities of every other creature. And it it would be like a paradise on earth. It would be the Garden of Eden. If we established a kind of consciousness that really acknowledged nature, our place in it, and wouldn't give up any of our particular and peculiar qualities of consciousness for ourselves. It would just mean getting into that kind of homeostasis, not only with each other and within ourselves, but also all the rest of life on the planet. That sounds very spiritual to me, in a way. Do you practice any form of spirituality? That's, that's the kind of spirituality I practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I yeah. think that yeah. I think that there is a. Uh, oftentimes, there's a dualism that happens where we where we talk about spiritualism, as you said earlier, as something that, something else other right. than what we do. Right. Uh, the kind of karma yoga where, where what you do in your daily life is your spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. You know, it is your meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether you're washing the dishes or whether you're writing a poem or whether you're just looking out the window, you know, that you try to be present and mindful in the moment. In the past, I have done other kinds of spiritual practice and meditation and, you know, and vision quests and things like that. But now, maybe it's my age, and I'm 79 now, and so uh, just just has to do with the uh, the quality of just being in the moment. I hear that a lot, the being in the moment. So what is it about the present moment that it's so special or so powerful and connected to spirituality? Well, I think that you hear a phrase quite often that everything is one, that everything is one thing. It's a fundamental uh, idea that animates so much of uh, the religious thought in both the West and the East. Well, if that's true, that means 
I'm sitting here in front of a computer. That computer is part of the one as well. Yeah. And this cup that's on the table is part of the one. And the water in it is part of the one. And you're part of the one, even though I don't see you. I just hear your voice. Yeah. So it's all a vibrational reality. Right. And if, if I separate it off and say, wait, wait, no, there's another special kind of vibrational reality that lies outside of this. Before I fully appreciated the vibrational reality that I live in, that seems to me like kind of a cop out. Yeah. You know, be in the present reality. I've met people coming from America. I've had the opportunity to meet with Native American people sometimes. And many times people think that they're very stoic. You know, they don't they don't really uh, they're not really exuberantly sharing their emotional life. But they have a particular quality of consciousness, which is absolutely fascinating and beautiful, where they just being in the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, when they when they communicate with each other, they communicate slowly and with such respect for the moment. And I think that. Uh, there's a potential there for us to have a kind of spiritual resonance with the material world. I'm not separating it from a more pure form of vibration. This is the world that we've developed our senses with. And, and, and our senses are kind of a gateway through to that. Whether we do it through a breathing exercise or a, a yogic pose or a Tai Chi movement, it, it doesn't really make any difference. Uh, it's all getting our senses uh, rallied behind our consciousness to appreciate everything that's going on in the moment. And that, that to me, is, uh, is a, a great spiritual life. And uh, uh, it's a spiritual life whether you have a particular religion or uh, esoteric uh, doctrine that you follow or whether you're just a bricklayer that really pays attention to laying the bricks in order. Yeah, exactly. I love your wisdom, Bill. Thank you. Marlene, do you want to um, add anything to that question? Yeah, I think uh, I think for, for me, you know, um, you know, we've had many challenges like many people in the world, you know, we, we get up, we get on with it every day. When you said earlier, what do you think the meaning of life is? I think, you know, we're all here to enhance and help and share whatever we're passionate about, the love that we have in our heart for nature, for the soil, for the ocean. I know when you're not working with people that don't resonate with your soul work, because, you know, you've got to feel this in your soul or otherwise you're just faking it you know and and we get so like you do or like many people that teach uh, the same type of work as us um some days I could weep when I see what's happening in the ocean or what we're doing to the soil you know and Bill and I we say soil and man are not separate right so we kill mm -hmm. the ocean we have no life you know and um, because the ocean is our life so when you're when you take it back to nature for me in the moment every day whether it's being excited about seeing a little willy wagtail bird and I said oh my god mm -hmm. we haven't seen a willy wagtail for ages or we have swans that sometimes land locally or I don't know maybe I was a maybe I was an animal before I mean I am an animal I'm a two-legged one but I resonate more with animals than yeah. I do with humans you know right. so for me being in the moment and I've taught yoga for a long long time for many decades as well and and when Bill and I first met we were at a conference in California and I say this not to be pretentious but it was the most touching thing anyone ever said to me and he said when did you know you were different? And I said, oh my goodness, you know, I was about five. And because even my mum and dad and I have beautiful sisters and my brother, they don't, they don't get me. They don't, they're not me and my soul. And Bill got me in five seconds, right? Mm, right. Um, and it's the same with, with Bill too, you know. I mean, he's a very humble man. He has incredible wisdom. And, and um, we just know. And you know when you meet a kindred spirit yourself because you wouldn't be talking with us, Valeria, if you didn't feel we had something to contribute to sure. the people that follow your work, right? Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, I mean, I am like an excitable child when I'm teaching. Ask Bill, I mean... I write to the world. He says I spend all our money at the post office mailing books out to everybody. I write to the Pope. I'm not Catholic, but the Vatican replied. And now I write for a magazine online called Catholic Concern for Animals. So I'm sharing how to go vegan, how easy it is with audiences of Catholics around the world. I write to the royal family. I'm not a royalist, but, you know, I send my books to... Oh, I mean, 
anybody that has a pulse, I write to them. Oh, that's wow. what I do. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a, the purpose, yeah, the purpose of your soul, right? You have found that. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? One of the things that strikes me about freedom is that usually the conversation of freedom is dominated by things that we can do. Right. And it's very seldom includes things that we have the freedom to not do. Uh, and so you find that sometimes it's interpreted as a license to do anything that you want to do. And to me, that's not freedom. That's, that's just slavery to your habits. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important for us to have a concept of freedom that includes an ethic mm-hmm. so that you have an, an ethic which you decide on in your life and then your, your freedom is expressed by your capacity to do the things that you feel are in ethical alignment, even if you have a desire to do something else that's not in alignment. And, and this is a, I think it's a very important issue because a lot of, uh, I'm going to sound like a very, very old person right yeah. now. You <laughs> are it, an old person. It, 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 it's, it's not, I'm not a old person. It's, it's one of those things where they say, oh, you know, like young people today, you know, I think that it's not just young people. I think that today within society, there is this hunger for being able to be free of any kind of constraints. And I think that it undermines personal development because we we must learn to not do some things. Mm -hmm. There are things that we just cannot do. Uh, It it, it governs our thinking to the extent that we that we eat things that we know are poisonous. I mean, who doesn't know that sugar is to- not toxic? I mean, everybody knows that. that that's, that's, that's been around for 60 years. People have been writing about that, and everybody knows that. It, we, we feed food to our children that we call junk food. Well, why would you call something junk and then eat it? Yeah. Uh, even if it's exceptionally tasty. <laughs> it's not tasty to me, but if it's tasty to a person, but yet they know that is going to cause harm to them, or if they do something and it's going to be harmful to the environment around them, but they continue doing it because it gives them sensory satisfaction, that's not freedom. And so people say, I want to be free to do whatever I want to do. And that sounds really great, but it's not freedom. It's slavery to habitual action. You know, we have to come to grips with that because you know, you talked about consciousness before. Those are all juvenile responses. Mm-hmm. And we start, to, we need to grow up. It's almost as if humanity has not grown up. Mm-hmm. We're not making adult decisions. Right. And adult decisions sometimes are, you know, even though it looks very appealing to stick your finger in the socket, you don't do that because you know yeah. that it's going to hurt you. No, uh, it, it means that that you that you teach your children to to be able to uh, have control over themselves, not to the point where they're where you're rigidifying behavior, but where you're aligning yourself with certain principles which are healthy and are productive of health, not only in yourself but also in society. Yeah. And for me, if I can just add freedom, if you ask, if I, if you're asking me. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I am so lucky every single day I get up and I am free to share my passion with the world without having to leave this house. You know, I am so, Bill and I say often, Valeria, we are so blessed and lucky that we were given this work to do, right? Since we were very young, studying traditional Chinese medicine and different things and teaching. I I mean, I want to tell the world, please just come and do this. It's so exciting. You feel amazing. I mean, Bill's 80 next year. I'm 64 this year. We're like kids. We don't know what it is to have a sneeze, a cold. We go hiking and biking. We eat a very simple diet, almost like a third world diet. We live in rice and beans and vegetables. And okay, I mean, I created that next book, that Go Vegan book, to to bring the world um, to the table as opposed to being too tight with just rice and beans. So I made it look fantastic um, because people eat with their eyes. But 
I mean, I love to do work with mental health and I do a lot of work with that. And the depression, when you see the person's eyes lighting up, it's like the veil's been lifted off the face. And all I've done is changed their food and got their energy moving inside the body. And of course, we all know the food feeds the brain. And, you know, it's one of the, one of the same. The gut and the brain are just this one unit. So, you know, I just want, I always just say happy gut, happy me, don't I, Bill? You do, you say. You know, and I just... <laughs> Yeah. so much joy you know and that's why we've just launched our non-profit our human ecology project so I am going to be hugely busy now writing to the world to try and raise funds because Bill and I do everything ourselves we make the videos we do all the social media we do the websites we're just two peas in a pod in this little place and and putting out what we can to help people You wrote the book, Marlene, the book titled Go Vegan, a guide to delicious everyday food for the health of your family and the planet. And Bill wrote the book, How to Eat Right and Save the Planet, a plant-based survival guide for you and your family. Talk to me about the inspiration and also the intention of writing these books. Uh, we'll, we'll start with Bill because Bill's title is a fantastic question. We look at it upon when Bill wrote that. That was your eighth book, How to Eat Right and Save the Planet. And my answer was, go vegan. We just were <laughs> yeah. talking, you know, because <laughs> so I, I, I'll let Bill start. When I first started experimenting with uh, my dietary life, I was doing it not only for my health, which, which I did get – fantastic results by changing. I improved my health fantastically. Um, but also, uh, there was this little part of it that, that seemed to indicate that you could alter your consciousness a little bit through mm -hmm. through your eating uh, and and through your consciousness of what you ate. Right. And and so this, this went on for decades and decades and decades. And I used to always say in my teaching, because I started teaching pretty quickly, the, the person who I studied with, Michio Kushi, Uh, suggested I start teaching about a year after I started studying with him. So I started going out and teaching. And I used to tell people, you know, th this is a, you know, if you change your diet, uh, this is going to have a huge impact in the world. But I have to say that I didn't realize how true that was uh, until the last 25 years or so. And I started uh, doing a little bit more study in, in terms of ecology and in In, in human development and social justice issues, and I started to geez, this is this is a crucial point. This is an, a tipping point. The whole way that we approach getting food, the the because the two the two greatest sources, uh, eventual ecological breakdown that are on the horizon that could very easily happen through human activity are agriculture in the land and the fishing industry. And when you put those two together. It is amazing to see how much damage is done because of the way that we have chosen to use animals as a food source. And it's it's something that really is, it animates the work that I do and it animates the work that Marlene does. It's, it's a real critical issue. And it's not just about the fad of, you know, people being thin or people avoiding heart attacks or, you know, all, all of the things that are out there, which are which are true to a, to a certain degree. But it's much more profound than that, because this is the way that we relate to the planet is the primary way that any organism, I'm sorry, I've used that term three times now, but it's a, it's a way that any organism relates to its environment is through what it eats, what we harvest. That's how we get energy from the environment. And if that goes wrong, everything falls apart. And, and we have to, re, that's a really urgent thing that we have to do right now. There are many things that, are, that need to be done in terms of environmental uh, regeneration. But that is the most important thing. We all need to change the choices that we have in our food. I do have yeah, some questions for you about that. Uh, before that, Marlene, yeah, please talk to me about the, uh, the intention, inspiration to write your book, Go Vegan. Yeah. 
Well, it was about 12 years since that last book, which is Macrobiotics for All Seasons. And much as I love the philosophy of teaching the five transformations of energy and, you know, everything that works through each organ system with each season, that's very limited in terms of, I want to bring the world to the table, Valeria. So I said to Bill, I have to be more commercial, but not commercial in a way that, you know, I'm copying and pasting recipes and, you know. So I wrote the book with the three symbols. One is in nutritional science, which I have the little microscope. The second symbol is ancient wisdom, um, which is the philosophy of macrobiotics, oriental medicine that we teach. And the third symbol was the... Common sense. common sense, you know, and, and common sense is so not common. I mean, <laughs> it's incredible. So, um, and I, I, you know, I'm a very fun person. And, and, and Bill once wrote uh, one of my other books, he wrote the foreword and said that the, and it was the biggest compliment I've ever had, actually. He said the, the most um, important thing I can say about Marlene is that no matter where she is, the classroom is filled with laughter. And that's why mm. I feel that, you know, there's no point in being too professorial. And of course, we're in a serious crisis, but we have to teach with fun and bring people to our work in a way that's yeah. inspirational. So go vegan for me um, was the, the question being answered by Bill saying, how do, how do we save the planet? You know, because it's crumbling, the ocean, the soil. And, and I said, go vegan. I mean, it's a bit like one of our other friends, his wife said, you know, humanity is needing an upgrade. So they've started this program, Humanity Upgrade, which is the same, it's the same mm -hmm. concept, you know. You've got to think, mm -hmm. how can we help people understand? So that's where, um, and I decided I would create of recipes. So whether you like Italian, Mexican, Chinese, Japanese, British food, everything's in Go Vegan. It's, a, it's like 85 recipes from every continent. And um, of course, we don't live on cakes and fancy carrot cakes and stuff that I put in there. But you know, Valeria, the world loves cake. So <laughs> True. I, had book, I had to make the book very interesting. But in terms of health, you know, I don't use oils and stuff in my food. It's obviously very healthy. So, but it was the way that it had to be done. Um, and of course, we've connected and have great colleagues and friends around the world. And I was very proud that T. Colin Campbell from Cornell University um, wrote the foreword. You know, he is the world's foremost nutritional scientist of the last century. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of our friends that are doctors that we've worked with, they have endorsed the book. And so, yeah. Uh, oh, and also, Valeria, may I say, I'm very excited to say I signed a contract with a publisher in Beijing and it's coming out in China in Chinese translation in June. Yep. Yeah, this is a very important message. Talk to me a bit more, Bill, about the connection between our food choices and the planet. You know, one of the, one of the things that uh, actually NASA in America, a space agency, um, they've done a lot of studies on what would happen if we contact life from another planet. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> millions in this, and 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 also, what would happen if somebody brought back a virus or a bacteria or a living organism uh, from space, and and you didn't know it? And so they they come up with a a, def, a definition of what it means to be alive. What is an alive thing? And one of the one of the aspects of that is an acknowledgement of the fact that. Anything that's alive has to be able to procreate, uh, and it has to it has to be able to create like a replicant of itself, uh, which is called a complete complete uh, uh, sexual multiplication of some kind. And it also has to be able to harvest energy from the environment. And it is this harvesting of energy from the environment that's that's about food. Now, when we eat food, uh, we think of it as this substance that's in front of us. But in reality, we're not the ones who are consuming the food. We take that food in, which is a composite of every environmental aspect. It's a composite of sunlight. It's a composite of water, of the minerals of the planet, of the power of a, a chlorophyll. All of those things are impacted, compacted in the food. We eat that food. And what we're doing is we're feeding a whole other environment that lives in our intestinal tract. And that environment is not us. Those microorganisms are not us. 
there's fungi and viruses and bacterium and all sorts of different little creatures and microorganisms that live in the gut. And that's who we're feeding. And what they do is they break in the process of nourishing themselves, they break the food down and then we get to absorb what they're broken down of it. Right. And what they've added to it oftentimes. And so this is the most intimate contact that we have with the natural world. It's not our skin surface. It's the inner surface of our digestive tract. That, that's where nature and ourselves come together so intimately. If you look at an at a, a electron microscope picture of, a, of, a, of an intestinal wall, you see that it's almost impossible to distinguish what's the food that we've eaten, what are the microorganisms, and, and what is us. This is all meshed together, right? And it's a fantastic composite. And, and we, don't, we, we don't have that understanding in our mind. Yeah. We don't have that understanding that when we eat, we're taking the environment in. And so it's very important that that environment that we take in is suitable for the microorganisms within us, that it's compatible with the human form and function, mm -hmm. uh, and that it doesn't destroy the external environment. And so... Those things have to be in, in constant interplay with each other. And that's what's called health. That's a healthy balance. If we abuse the environment externally, we are always going to end up with food that reflects that disturbance. Every time somebody eats a hamburger, they're eating environmental destruction. I don't mean that in some sort of an abstract uh, philosophical way. I mean it actually. Yes. They true. actually are consuming environmental destruction. And so we need, to, we need to be conscious in some way of that process. It's a very, very important thing. Uh, and, and we lose it out and we start looking at food as another commodity, just the same way we look at animals as a commodity, the same way we look at trees or ocean or whatever as a commodity. We have to stop that thinking. Yeah. That, that's not thinking that's, that, that's going to benefit us and doesn't benefit us in the long run. It's really interesting, Valeria. I think you will find this fascinating. A professor of uh, a food scientist and professor contacted us a few weeks, few months ago, and said he would like to join our online course. And um, he said, uh, you know, I really just want to look and see what's going on. Well, bless him. He wrote an email the other day to Bill and I, and he said, I feel as if the 45 years of my career and my life has been completely killing people with poison because he worked for the food industry. And having finished our course, he's devastated. He was constantly creating how they get more fat into this, how they get more protein into that. And, you know, we both felt, wow. And we said, okay, you turn it around now. You're now empowered. You have all this incredible information about everything that you've just learned. So you become this new, fantastic, powerful teacher. But he's devastated. He feels his whole life's been a lie. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. And he's yeah. working for one of the biggest food companies in the world. In the world, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and um, you know, on a more simple form, you know, I have a little mantra that, that I. That's, that's <laughs> sounded, that sounded a little depressing. He's not, he's not, actually, he's not actually contemplating suicide. He's just, he's just like, having, having a, a, no. a moment on the road to Damascus. But, you know, yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. I, I just yeah. wanted to share that with Valeria to say yeah. that people have, you know, we think we think everybody should know this work, but there you go, this work is not even known by most of the world. And, and that's why we have to keep pushing the rock up the hill. And I always say to all my students and clients, food makes the blood, blood makes the cells, cells make the tissue, Tissue makes the organs, and here we be. Always think about that every single day. And, um, you know, we get pig farmers and dairy farmers going vegan because they come to our workshops and they have every disease under the sun. They've got fatty liver disease, and this is the, part, the farmers, not the animals. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All these heart diseases, cholesterols and cancers. And they go vegan because when they actually are um, presented with the information... They think, really, you can live without animal protein? I mean, Valeria, it's 2021, and people still think you'll die if you don't have animal protein. Yeah, right. I'm not a vegan myself. I have tried 
before uh, vegetarianism for five years, I think I was. And then I tried veganism too. And I still do that three, four times a week, or even five. I don't eat any kind of meat. But then one day a week, I eat salmon, wild salmon. But I'm very conscious about uh, from Alaska, everything. But even then, the body is not the same. It doesn't feel the same. It seems sometimes that the body needs that kind of energy source, but sometimes it doesn't. So I'm kind of uh, trying to see, find that balance, I guess. I know that my husband, he he has no energy when he's eating only vegetables. Maybe it's the way I cook. <laughs> That's really one of the big keys. You know, it's not, if you've eaten meat all your life, and let's face it, I, it's very yeah. seldom you find any, anybody that's that's over uh, 30 years old that hasn't had a period in their life when they were eating lots of dairy food and, mm-hmm. and animal food in their diet. Yeah. Uh, when, you, when you're raised on a diet like that, uh, those that intestinal biome has to be re-educated, mm, and and for for most people actually that that's a very quick process. But for some people it's a slower process. But getting the cooking correct right, is, is something that's very very important. You know, and people have to have their 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 taste satisfied. They have to have a, a range of nutrients so that their body can make good choices. I know it depends. Also, sometimes mm-hmm. a lot of people use way too many yin foods. When we talk about yeah. yin foods, mm-hmm. we're talking mm-hmm. about the fruits and the salads, and they're not eating robust foods like, you know, all the beans and the grains and the pulses and the, you know, the really strong root vegetables. Um, you know, we hear this often, so it's yeah. sometimes just about rectifying people's diets, you know. And, and the next, the video that we're going to be working on this month and when it comes out, uh, we'll make sure you get a copy and, and, and you might rethink eating your salmon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, no. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no problem. I like that, actually. <laughs> I'll send you what I what we actually teach that because quite often sometimes people say yeah well I tried vegan I was very weak you know there's yeah. two um you you know you maybe not be producing L-carnitine or choline enough and that's something that can suppress energy so if you would like I'm happy to send you what we teach on it and you'll be uh, robust. Oh, that sounds really wonderful. Yeah. It's just getting it's just getting a solution to it. You yeah. know, it's um yeah. and, and it's not that it's imagined. You know, if a person feels weak, they feel weak. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, there there are solutions without uh, having to resort to animal protein because there, as you probably know, there are increasing number of uh, world class athletes that yes. eat a vegan diet, True. and and they do it because it gives them not only energy but because it, it makes it possible for them to recover very quickly. Because it's so anti-inflammatory. Yeah. Look yeah. at Tom Brady. He's right. 43. He just won the seventh Super Bowl. I Look know. at Serena Williams. And tell your husband from Marlene in Scotland to go look at the strongest big animals in the world. They're vegan. Uh-huh. Shrimp, monkey, and giraffes, and elephants, and rhinos, and gorillas. <laughs> wow. <laughs> True, yeah. Tom Brady, I didn't know he was a vegan. Is he a vegan? Yeah, yeah Tom, Tom, long time, seven, eight years now. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Wow, my husband, he loves football, so I will, oh, I will okay. share the information with him for sure. Is, is, is he American? He's American, yes. Oh, okay. That would be an interesting thing to do. I think he will reflect that. <laughs> he will yeah. might change. But with him, it's just the way he feels. He's into work, working out really heavy, lifting now, and then he doesn't feel the same way when he doesn't have meat. And I try, I have tried. I was a, I was a pescatarian for about uh, 35, yeah. 40, yeah. 40 years. Yeah. I didn't eat any other animal food except, no except, except fish. And I, I always thought that when I wasn't having some fish a week, the, that I was weak because I played, I was playing sports during part of that for that that time. And uh, no, when I, you know, when I when I stopped eating that and started Same. eating a vegan diet, actually, uh, I have I have to say that that uh, my my muscle strength is actually better than it was during that time. Yeah. You know, my, it, really, really, it took a while, but my, my musculature and my body really changed quite a bit. Yeah, I can feel the difference. We can when we eat 
vegan, only vegetables and the beans. It's just so obvious. Uh, I feel much better. He, he does too. But then for some reason, I think it's the habit, like you mentioned before, the, the freedom, yeah, the idea of freedom we have. And I love the compassionate work that you do because it has everything to do with what I believe in, which is love and compassion, not hurting anything intentionally. Although we do, we do hurt and kill uh, bacteria and ants walking around that we can't see. Um, we cannot avoid not killing. But I love the idea of being intentional and not doing it on purpose. Right? And, 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 you know, uh, if we're following Ahisma, Ahimsa, yeah. uh, that means that, that we, we make sure that we, that we do not harm any animal or creature that we knowingly harm. Mm, right. 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 That is the biggest, is a very important message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I write for Yoga Magazine every month. I have been writing for Yoga Magazine for years. Uh, the big, the big yoga magazine in the world, all over Australia, America, people buy it and people write to me. And um, I'm a Scottish warrior. I say what mm. I feel uh, in a very gracious manner, but I do speak to my yogis and say, please, if you're teaching yoga and teaching ahimsa, I'm sorry, you cannot be using animal food. And they listen. In fact, Bill and I are teaching on two big yoga v yoga expos in line this year, one in America yeah. and one in Australia, I think. So, yeah, we just got to keep pushing out the message and people will come to them. You can't make someone do what they don't want to do because, you know, everybody has mm-hmm. their ideas what life is. Everybody does. <laughs> so true, yeah. And you mentioned earlier about humanity having this... Uh, almost teenage mentality in a way. Yeah. We need to grow up, right? Yeah, and take responsibility. I agree. So we're almost at the end of the interview. I have one final question for you. But before that, would you like to add anything? No, I think we've had a nice conversation here. Um, I would like to say four words which inspire me every day. Go vegan. It's easy. <laughs> and it is. It's healthy. It's compassionate. Yeah, I, I agree a thousand percent. Getting there is a different story, which I'm going to work on it. <laughs> yes. And the last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? Three things. Yeah. Three things? Oh. Yes. Oh, that's a nice question. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I know for sure is that we have the capacity to improve our own life and the life of the world that we live in. I know that for sure. We have that capacity. I also know that uh, being able to unconditionally love this world is a huge, huge challenge, and that it's also within our grasp to do that. I know that. And I know that I love my wife. (laughs) Beautiful. Marlene, do you want to add those? Oh, for me, yeah, well, I know. (laughs) I know that um, I'm a huge irritation to a lot of people because I'm so so passionate about, I know know I'm right. And this this is not because I'm not a pretentious person, but I have known since I was a wee girl that what I do is right. (laughs) You know, I just know because when you're working in your soul every day and and you get up and you say, how can I, I, I would expect, the world to see through my eyes. I wish I could get them to see through my eyes because it's the most beautiful vision that I can tell you about. You know, you you feel this beautiful connection. Um, I know also that um, I have to sometimes uh, struggle to love others that are doing desperate, cruel things in the world, especially to animals and um, other humans. Um, but I know I have to try and consider that I appreciate everything as one. And uh, I struggle with that sometimes, I'll be very honest, but I know that 100%. And I also know that I'm very blessed to have gone to a conference in California to meet Bill Tara, and we have created the most fantastic (laughs) work. And students now we have, we talk about switching on a lighthouse, and we have lighthouses now in 28 countries with the most amazing people that have studied our work and their teaching the same as us, and that makes our hearts sing, and we want to just keep switching lighthouses on around the world because there's so much darkness, Valeria, and we have to try and push out more. I mean, some days I feel I don't work hard enough, but we work 14 hours a day, seven days a week, but we still think we're not doing enough, you know? 
I love your presence. I love your purpose. I absolutely love that you're aware of the purpose of the soul and the way you speak. It's just beautiful, Marlene. You too, Bill. I mean, you're coming from that place, the beautiful place of love. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, well, on the website are macrovegan, www.macrovegan.org, which is M-A-C-R-O-V-E-G-A-N.org, is where all our courses and workshops are. But we're hugely excited about our human ecology project website. It's our life's work. It's our passion. And that's where we're really driven now. We want to teach people about food and sustainability, Valeria, and understand the destruction of the oceans and what's happening and, and food security. You know, I mean, it's becoming people in Africa are fighting for water. You know, so we look and we think, you know, there's a billion people starving every day and there's a billion people eating themselves to death every day. So our human ecology project, uh, we we spoke about, didn't we, Bill, in 2003? Yeah. And we've lived in so many different countries teaching. And here we are. We just launched it 17 years later. And we're now going to work really hard um, to get funding. And um, that, if you go there, it's www.humanecologyproject.com. And there's lots of blogs, and I'm going to be loading more free ebooks up there. There's lots of food recipes, articles from both of us. Um, and you'll see the two videos on the home page that we just shot. I mean, Bill's incredible. Next year, he's 80, and he's now become a videographer. We're teaching ourselves all this stuff. But the two videos on the home page on the humanecologyproject.com, they make our hearts sing. That's wonderful. And of course, you can, you can get both of our books, I'm afraid, uh, on Amazon. Yeah, much as we don't like to, but yeah. that's where people have to go. And um, any royalties that we get, they go back in the, the Human Ecology Project. We'll receive any royalties from the publishers for our books because, you know, we've got to just keep trying to get that out to the world and um, I did a fantastic corporate program there online a very forward-thinking computer company 20 managers Bill and I we were talking and teaching and they gave all the stuff the book our books now that's exciting because it's like wow you get 20 people in one hour Valeria on board you know yes yeah that's <laughs> so, so that's what we that's where we're at. So the human ecology project.com is our absolute passion. Yeah. I'll have that link. I have the other one as well, the microvegan.org. So yeah. I'll have those two links on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again for your presence, your work, your purpose, and everything else in between. That sounds well, thank you for talking yeah, with us. And thank you for your lovely soul and for all the beautiful work you're doing in the world too. And um, tell your hobby, I'm on his case. <laughs> yes, right. I will. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, today we'll have a talk. <laughs> I'll email you some, some things later. Thank yeah. you so much, Valeria, for your time. Thank you, Marlene. Thank you, Bill. We'll talk okay. soon. Bye for now. Okay. okay. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn more about Marlene Watson Tara and Bill Tara and their work, please visit macrovegan.org. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org/podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.